Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lenu. And this week, don't go into the grass, y'all. Stay off the grass. Keep off the lawn. This is not an anti-drug commercial. It's not. No. Smoke all the weed you want, but don't go in, literally don't go into the grass. We're going to talk about In the Tall Grass, 2019 Netflix film uh, adapted from the novella by Stephen King and his son, Joe Hill, of the same name. So it takes two of them to write a novella? It does. Okay. Before we get started, how was your week? It's only been a couple of days since we recorded last release, so it's it's been very short um, and loud. <laughs> short and, and rainy, loud, and very like rainy. a baby. It's been really, really rainy lately, too. How was your week? Good. Got to play some board games. Oh, that's some right. Board games. Going to play some more board games soon. And again, we are recording a little bit in advance because we are going to be splitting up a little bit. That sounds weird. Mm. We're just going to both take a little bit of much-needed time, a yes. respite. Uh, and so, heads up, heads up, heads up, we will not be uh, releasing an episode next week. I will probably post some some favorites from the season so far. Um, and it looks like, uh, going forward, we will be able to watch Mr. Mercedes probably on our Xbox, which is weird. But I think that's what's going to end up happening. How things go these days? So in two weeks, we'll be back with Mr. Mercedes Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2. Uh, but next week, we are going to be on a bit of a hiatus. But before a hiatus, we got to talk about these grass. This grass. Let me read the one-sentence breakdown of the story. Which is pretty much the whole story. Which is pretty much the whole story. All right, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, okay? Because there's an element to this thing I just cannot get through my thick head. After hearing a young boy's cry for help, help, a sister and brother venture into a vast field, field of tall grass in Kansas, but soon discover that there may be no way out and that something evil lurks within. This is, the, this is one of those movies where I'm like, were there taglines? Yes. So the tagline for this film mm-hmm. is some places have a mind of their own. Which is a bad tagline for this film, but a good tagline for like Amityville Horror. Yes. This is basically um, our roommate came up with the idea that this is like a more concise version of the Tommyknockers. In that there is the a rock. The call that this movie concise is... A bit baffling to me. <laughs> but well, it just, well, as opposed to the Tommyknockers, which takes a great deal of time to get to the point that it really is a remake of Five Million Years to I suppose. She Earth. also saw this as Aliens, and I 100% did not, so... Well, there's no explanation for it. It's just yeah, a, a rock. No, but she, and she, she calls everything an alien, and that's fine. That's her whole thing, and I, uh... I, I take issue, but that's, that's all right. So... So this story, like so many of our stories, starts with two people in a car in a field. In a Stephen King story? <laughs> yes. You're kidding me. It's, I'm oh my God. not kidding you. All right. All right. Uh, these two are a brother and sister. Okay. Which you don't find out right away. Uh, unfortunately, you do find out a little bit later that the brother might love the sister a little too much. A little too much. In a flowers in the attic kind of way. Yes, in a flowers in the attic kind of way, in a Brady and his mom kind of way. Yeah, there's a. There's, I'm done with incest for a while, guys. Could we not? Main? I I don't understand. I mean, I don't know if you want to know about the. I don't think I do. Actually, okay. never mind. Well, then I'm gonna I didn't ask that we'll just we'll just veer all right right out of this. So we are introduced um, to Becky and Cal. The sister and the brother. I will say on IMDb, the character list literally reads like this. Becky slash sister. Cal slash brother. Loss slash husband. Tobin slash son. Natalie slash wife. 
Travis slash Becky's husband, which I will say, I do not believe that they nope. were married, <laughs> um, and gas attendants. <laughs> so. Uh, I think there should be, like, who played The Rock, I think, in this film. I, the Rock is the most important character. A Rock is the most important character. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, um... Sorry, everyone. I did not enjoy this movie. (laughs) And uh, I'm having um, trouble with it. It was very well made. The director, Vincenzo Natale, is the guy who directed some other weird puzzle piece movies like Cube. He directed Cube. He also directed the Don't Fuck the Monster movie, Splice. Y'all, that movie caused Lemuel to coin the phrase that he oft repeats, don't fuck fuck the monster. monster. And spoiler alert for Splice, someone fucks the monster. monster. And it was just bizarre. We're sitting in the theater going, what what, what What was the thought process? What What? makes Adrian Brody just go, I think I'm going to have sex with this thing that I made in my lab. And it has wings. Please don't do that. Don't do that. Guys, don't do that. Nothing could happen. Ladies also don't do that. Nobody needs to... Don't fuck the monster. It's just not a good idea. We cannot... Emphasize this enough. That's this enough. It's a bad idea. Don't do it. Nope. But yeah, so his his, uh, taste is a little questionable. Um, Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the Blair Witch Project, where 10 minutes into the film... You know, how do we get out of the woods? How do we get out of the woods? How do we get out of the woods? And half an hour into the film, how do we get out of the woods? And yeah, we're still the very end doing this. We never got out of the woods. And Honestly, if this movie was a short, uh-huh. I think I would have liked it more. I think I could edit this hour and 41 minute movie into a 25 minute short. That would be really good. I, I, think, I think what's right. there is good. I think there's a lot, y'all. A lot. And when I say a lot, right. I mean 70 minutes of just either overhead grass rustling or people walking through the grass. Um, it, okay, so this is... It's, that's the all this movie is. half hour of the film is really compelling to me in that you find out there's this mysterious situation. Yes. Uh, they hear a boy crying. Yeah. They've yes, so they pull over it. because Becky is feeling ill because She's Cal is nomming on a and burger. Becky is pregnant, and Becky is six months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hear a young boy in the woods calling for help. At which point, Cal decides to turn off the road, and they're going to go in, grab this kid, and get back on the road. Right. Now, Cal, having zero sense of self-preservation, leaves both his phone and his glasses in the vehicle. I just. I need. He's wearing glasses when we first see him. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he only needs them for driving because he took mm. them off. I never take my glasses off. You know why? Because I can't see shit without them, and I am useless. I literally can't do anything without them. So put your glass. Keep your glasses on your and, fucking. And you face. might be asking, why does she want to see shit? But then think about. Do you want to step in it? I don't want to be surprised. You don't want to be surprised by shit. So they both go in. Becky tries to call 911, but as she walks into the into the grass, she loses the connection. Right. And they lose sight of each other, and then they cannot find each other again. They cannot find the road again. They hear Tobin calling from different sides. They hear each other coming from different sides. At one point, they both jump and they see how far away from that each other they are. That was the most effective of the early scenes. And then they jump again. Yeah. And are they much further away or do They're we just not even away. see Cal? I couldn't see him. He's in like the a image. tiny figure in the distance. Like way far away. And it, what works for that scene and anybody, I think we've shared, I think, the pumpkin story with the audience. Uh, I don't know. Tell the pumpkin story. The pumpkin story is that we we were having a very bad week, uh, me and my housemates. And we were trying to, uh, we wound up going, I think on your suggestion, to a... I wanted to go to a pumpkin patch. This is two years ago. This Mm -hmm. is not in 2020 when you should not have gone to a pumpkin patch, even though many people did. This was 2019 when pumpkin patches were still 
a thing. Right. But as a household, we'd suffered kind of a loss. So um, we were just not in a great place. We no. thought that going out to this pumpkin patch was going to do yeah. wonders. It and was very hot. It was very hot. And you could get a free pumpkin if you went through this corn maze. Yes, and, and got these little these stamps. stations, yeah. 22 of them. It's an enormous corn maze. It was very big. And you use these different sort of hole punchers on this card. Each one had a different shape. And you had to punch all of these 22 yeah. holes in this card. And so we I failed gonna... after like three. I right. was like, this is... First of all, a corn maze is very uh, uneven on the, on the ground. Right. And I was unprepared for that. I was also not dressed for the weather. Also, I am heavy. And it was too, it was too much. It was too much for me. Right. And my other roommate left with you. Did and she then, leave with me? Yeah, I she thought left she, with oh, you. okay. I thought she was and with then, me for a little so bit longer. The two of you are looking at the pig races and all the other fun stuff. And because I had had such a bad loss, I'd lost my favorite cat. I'd lo- you know, we we yeah. just had a really it, bad it had been been a bad. really horrible week. I just was determined that I was going to find these pumpkins. Yes. Um several hours later. It was you were for a cool two and a half hours, I would say. I staggered out of there covered in dirt and cobwebs. You were filthy. <laughs> you were sweaty. But you got us I free got pumpkins. three free pumpkins because I could not let it go. The experience of being in that pumpkin patch, though, is very weird and disorienting. I mean, that, that corn maze was really weird and disorienting because it was hard to find your way anywhere. And so having had that experience... I can now say that um, I can appreciate this movie a little bit more uh-huh. because it was very disorienting, not knowing yeah. where you were. And yeah, which is fine. Trying but to like, stick to a path. And, I get it. Right. And after an hour, I'm over it. Well, yes. I mean, And there's still 40 minutes I left. I would like to do a movie about that experience. Just everyone else seeing this bald... Uh, 240-pound man plunging through a cornfield. Just <laughs> covered in on a mission. Right? So I imagine that must have been really terrifying to those people. But, um, but yeah, I think the first part of this movie, when they discover that they're in trouble, those scenes where you see that time and space don't quite uh, work on this, um, are really effective. And there's other scenes coming up, which we haven't discussed yet, about uh, the little boy when they eventually find him. Tobin. Tobin. He comes upon Cal, I believe. Mm. I think he comes upon Cal first. Hold on. Yes. Tobin comes upon Cal. Ross comes upon Beck. And Ross is Patrick Wilson. Ross is Patrick Wilson. I don't know how they got Patrick Wilson in this movie. He's the only person that you recognize. I don't recognize anybody else in this movie. Um, the The woman that plays Becky... Uh, her name is Laisla de Oliveira. Ol- Oliveira. Oh, she's in Lock and Key. She plays Echo. Yes. Okay. Now I think I think about it. Yes. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And she played Glow in The Gifted, um, which is a show that I liked and is not ever coming back. I didn't care for her in this. I have liked her in other things. I don't know if I didn't care for her in this because I didn't care for this, or if it was because she was not given a lot to do other than don't forget you're pregnant and be in pain every once in a while. (laughs) It was a very odd kind of, like, in parts of the film she's an action hero, in other parts of the film she's just a pregnant girl who needs to be rescued. Yes. And the pregnancy seemed to be added almost to sort of up the ante. It reminded me of Apocalypto, where for no particular reason, the hero's wife is pregnant just because it adds another layer of horrible things that can happen. Like I have to give birth while I'm drowning in a um, in some sort of sinkhole, and that became another scene that they could just ratchet the film up, and it became ridiculous. Movie. Like, oh my god, and how much more can happen? In one of the but, largest um, franchises, but anyhow, that's yes, they find little boy. The Conjuring franchise now might be like Patrick Wilson's character. The mo- like it may have really it, it may be surpassing Star Wars in terms yeah. of yeah. money coming in. Right. It is an enormous right. franchise, and he plays right. multiple characters. In the year that this came out, mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson was also in, in an episode of a TV series. 
in Annabelle Comes Home. He did an uncredited cameo in a movie called The Assistant, and he was in Midway. Busy guy. Busy guy. Also, he must have, like, no ego at all. Connected. I, I, I really like his Ed Warren characterization, too, because he doesn't look like Ed Warren as much as he acts like I remember. This sort of gruff guy who is sort of salt of the earth and has this just really bizarre hobby. I will say there's a lot of people who really hate those movies because they think that Ed and Lorraine are grifters right. and are being treated nicely by I, these movies. I don't um, know And that, I don't yeah. want to get... Like, I don't... I don't know... And, and these are people who were personally hurt. Right. Or know people who were personally hurt by them. So... It's. I think that they're interesting figures, and they. I like to believe that they're nice like this. Right. But um, whenever, yes, there's a possibility that you're preying on people's um, grief, and any time, any any medium, you know, there are people I believe have these have some of these abilities, and there are people who I believe are 100 percent in it right. for for grift <laughs> and I think that I don't know that anybody is clean in that well, you know in that what I can comment about that is that there is one particular horror author who has made a lot of these claims a lot of people just refer back to this one guy okay and he was hired to write a novelization of one of their stories because you used to read about mm-hmm. them in the National Enquirer yeah. and whatever else and he felt like um, he felt that he was being dishonest in fictionalizing parts of the story, and he got into some sort of dispute with Ed Warren. Oh, okay. And so he's constantly cited, still a writer. He's a member of one of my Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Constantly cited as the authority on how the Warrens are misbehaving, and it really does a lot of the time boil down to that one guy who had a contractual dispute with them, and now you know their name is Mud. So I, I I kind of like I don't know what side of this is true, but I don't know that I completely trust that guy either. Um, but anyhow, I we're going off track. But uh, yeah, no, I just I well, there's it, not really much to this movie. It, the there isn't that much to this right. movie. As the movie goes on, Travis shows up a number of months later and goes into the fields, right. and Tobin finds him, and it's like, what, you don't remember me. And then we cycle back and we see when Tobin and his family, Ross and Natalie, his parents, went into the field, they heard Travis calling. Mm-hmm. So it's this, we don't know when anything is. Right. Once, and and uh, so so the there's this sort of time loop situation. Mm-hmm. They do all end up kind of coming together. Um Cal is weirdly jealous of Travis. Right. Um, and Ross uh, has drunk all of the Kool-Aid. And by drunk the Kool-Aid, I mean touch the rock. He touched mm-hmm. the big rock. There's like, I guess it's a rock. It's in the middle of the field. It looks like a seed to me. That's the shape of it. Okay. Um, it's got carvings in it that mm-hmm. are like stick figures. And some of them uh, show a pregnant lady and then the baby being pulled from her. There's a very disturbing scene later about that. Uh, Ross is constantly trying to get people to touch the, the rock because he touched it and now he knows everything and you'll understand the way out and you'll be able to get out, but you won't want to leave. Um, and so they're like, okay, well, we don't want to have anything to do with that. We're going to keep trying to get out. Uh, at, at, at one point, Travis and Cal and Becky and... No, not Tobin at this point. They all get to a, an old bowling alley. I think it's a bowling alley. There appears to be a bowling pin at the top of it. And they want to climb up to the top to have a look around to see if they can see the road and get out. Because it was right across from the church, which is where they had parked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they go up to the roof, Cal and uh, they have to barricade themselves inside because Ross is after them. And Cal and Travis go up to the roof, and uh, Travis 
falls. I don't believe Cal pushes him. Travis no, falls. He refuses And to Cal help. does not pull him up, and Travis falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. But he's not dead at that point. Right. Or he is. Because that's the other thing. And at one in one version of the timeline, Ross kills Becky. Mm-hmm. And then we, then she comes back. She's then she's alive again. But then when Natalie, the mom, sees Becky, she's like, "I saw her body. It's over there." Right. Then there's one version where, or one piece where Ross kills Cal, and you pan back, and there's a bunch of Cal's bodies right. over and over again because Ross talks about how there's holes in. That's sort of in the fabric of this reality that they're in, yeah. where Cal will run, and Ross like takes advantage of these little wormholes and catches him, and then kills him. And but he before he kills him this time that we see, it's it's you're thinking, what if I run left? What if I'd run right? What if I right. would hadn't run at all? And Ross says, you've done all of them. And I am in, like your inevitability. Right. I've I've got you every time um, because apparently touching the rock gives you powers. Well, it gives you some sense outside of the, of the. Yeah. It also seems to make you amazingly strong. He's very strong. He crushes uh, his wife's skull. He crushes his, his wife's skull at one right. point. Yeah. So Ross is the bad guy. Uh-huh. He's a bad guy. Um, there is a point where we see the grass people. Who look like they almost look like Native Hawaiians from the chest down, mm-hmm. and then they have swirling grass faces. Right. Which I actually—that's my favorite image from the movie. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. That and um, when Becky gets to the rock, she gets sort of close to it, and she's like, "It the ground under it kind of opens up, mm-hmm. and you see all these roots, and the roots look like people." Right. They're like um, those weird tubers in the Harry Potter that cry. The mandrakes. Yeah, mandrakes. Like that. I, yeah, I think to me there's a couple of... I mean, it's almost pointless to go on with the description. Cause it, it, the, the, all these things are happening in right. whatever order. It, this it, is, the, for us to tell right. you exactly the order that it happens in is moot because the whole thing is that they're in these weird time loops where... Mm-hmm. They are dying over and over and over again, or they're not dying. That's it. They're being killed or dying over and over this and over This is like again. a really weird, like the world's worst version of Marco Polo. It, yes. People yes. are constantly calling to each other. Yes, and, because and, as soon as they get separated, yeah. then it's like a whole thing to get them back together. There is a thing where, oh, well, where did you see Becky's body? Right. We're going to meet there because the field doesn't move dead things. Yeah. So if you're alive, you're being moved around by this field. But mm-hmm. as soon as there's a dead thing and there's a dead dog, Freddy. Right. Dead dog. So there's a dead dog there. There's dead crow, which in... Um, in this, we just see Tobin carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, apparently, when we meet Tobin, he's eating it. He's we eating never crow. see anybody eat anything in this, yeah. except once. Despite the fact that they're moving around for months. When, yes, months. Uh, time is right. nothing in this. Time is a flat circle in this movie. Once we hear Ross saying, you know, I am inevitable, mm-hmm. and we we really get the sense I'm that Iron he's Man. been, yes, he's been imbued in, with some sort of godlike mm-hmm. power in this space that they all inhabit. That is sort of the the beginning of the climax of the movie, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Becky gets attacked by Ross. She escapes, escapes by stabbing him in the eye. Uh, and then a storm happens, and that's when the grass creep- creatures come, and they pick her up, and they carry her to the rock. She pulls out her phone, which would definitely be dead by now, because it's been yeah. months and months and months, and also only one day. And she makes a phone call, which we had already heard, begging to herself, I don't know how you call yourself, my phone won't do that, uh, to say, to to tell herself to keep Cal from hurting Travis, um, or, you know, we're all going to make the same mistakes over and over again, and we're all going to die. 
Uh, and then she starts having, I guess she's having contractions. And she, and that's when the ground opens and we see the little mandrake people. And then her body people. becomes invaded by weeds. Then, yeah, we see like the grass going around her baby. And she passes out and she wakes up to what we think is Cal squeezing water into her mouth and he's holding a baby, her baby. And then she passes back out and she wakes up to Cal feeding her her own baby <laughs> and telling her that it's just grass and seeds. Now, we don't, it's not explicit. You don't see mm-hmm. chunks of infants. You do, the Foley work in the scene is upsetting. <laughs> it's, uh, sounds real, real gross. And, um, you know, she's not strong enough to really, um, do anything. So she passes back out. And then she mm. realizes that what she thought was Cal is actually Ross. And then meanwhile, Tobin fi- finds Travis and tell, tells him that Ross killed the baby and Cal and is going to keep killing them over and over and over again, at which point they um, are confronted by Ross, who mortally wounds Travis, but Travis is like, all right, well, if I go down, I'm taking this whole thing with me, and Travis puts hands on the rock. Amen. And then <laughs> runs to the rock. And the rock... He says it won't hide you, but this rock will hide you. This, 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 this is a bad rock. This <laughs> not is, a good this rock. Is a bad rock. Um, and as um, and Ross is trying to get uh, well, Ross tries to force Tobin to touch the rock, and while he's engaged, mm. Becky is able to scratch out his other eye. So now he is blind. Now Ross is blind. So, so the the num- the. Amount of just awfulness that's yes. happened in this field. In, in just such a small span of time. Mm-hmm. So then Becky dies of right. her wounds. Um, and uh, Ross is blinded. And at this point, that's when Travis is like... Uh, oh, no, and then Travis is able to kill Ross because mm-hmm. Ross is stumbling around and right. can't see the pattern anymore because he can't see anything anymore. So Travis kills Ross and then Travis is like dying and he's like, mm, I'm putting hands on this rock. I'm just going to get into it. I'm about to die yeah. anyway. Maybe it'll help. And he does. And then he sees a bunch of strange visuals, which aren't particularly well rendered as far as I was concerned. And then he's like, okay, I can't get out of here but I think I can get you right. to keep them from getting in. So he's like, don't let them come in. And he puts it, he picks Tobin up and he puts him down. And where he puts him down is on uh, a, like a plank floor. Mm-hmm. And it is the inside of the church that was across the yeah. street. And he comes out and he sees Cal and Becky pulling over and hearing him call for help. And he runs out and he keeps them from going into the grass in the first place. So this is also another Stephen King movie where a couple end up with a rando kid, which I guess is just their family now. Yeah. Like, and she, they're like, this is weird. We are going to take, let's take this kid back to Topeka. Mm-hmm. And Cal's like, that's like an hour back from where we overcame. And she's like... I know I made a mistake because she was going to San Diego to give up the baby for adoption, but now she's going to keep the baby and she's going to go back. And Travis is laying on the ground of the field listening to them leave now. And then he dies. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Well, that version of him dies. Mm -hmm. But I also have to believe that if it's three months ago... Or uh-huh. two months ago, then there's a version of him that's back where Becky left, and she's they're she's they're gonna end up together there. Like that's the thing with a with a small time loop issue, like mm-hmm. like a, a small radius time loop. Right. 
you're always in there and you're always not in there. It's a real Schrodinger situation. Well, there's, um, this director's work is really weird. I mean, monster fucking and baby eating and, like, what happened to his childhood? Like, what was that about? I think the story is just too grotesque and weird and it doesn't make any sense. And Honestly, like I said, yeah. I think... I think for 25 minutes, I would have been intrigued. It's it's 70 minutes of them just walking through grass well, and calling I out each other's names and yelling, you know. I, I do like the limericks. Right. I, she, she yells limericks right. to, to orient, uh, at the beginning, to orient the voice. Um, you know, to, you know, this is where I am, come to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do enjoy the limericks that she... <laughs> Because I like a limerick, I think they're fun. Uh, but yeah, it's it. Maybe if it had been ten minutes, if the, we watched the the version that is ten minutes longer than mm-hmm. one of the so like, more this the walking extended the version. I presume. Mm-hmm. I I don't. Well, there's not. There's so little action yes. that I can't imagine it's the action parts that would that be taken out. With Stephen King's stories, or I'll talk about the adaptations because this is not something that I read. I think that a lot of this stuff works better on paper than it does trying to be visually realized. Um, I also think that it really depends for me on how much of a connection I make with the characters. I can see something that... The stand probably doesn't make a great deal of sense, but you're drawn into the story by all these really interesting characters. Mm Mm-hmm. And something like Salem's Lot is a little bit more, almost like a, has a B-movie sensibility, but it works because of all of these characters and how you want them to get through this. And you don't want them to die. And when they start dying, you're kind of, you know, mortified because you've built up relationships with these characters. Mm. This story, I didn't really... I don't care about any of these people. You know, and the I don't that, even care about the child, and the that's really that are supposed something. to make you care. Or this is a pregnant woman, and that seems to be what's going to make you care, is that she's pregnant. The most interesting character in the film, or the most, you know... The most dynamic character is Ross. Is Ross. For sure. He makes this comment about how he wanted to be like a, a Christian rocker, and now he's found this thing to be enthusiastic about, which is this rock in this field. He becomes evangelical about this rock. You know, he's making all these religious parallels that are, frankly, kind of blasphemous. Not kind of. It's like, you know, touching the rock is like taking the host. It's like comparing it to communion. Yes. No, it's it's blasphemy. It's and, straight up blasphemy. But I, I think I can put up a little bit more of that from Stephen King, who understands the weight of those words, as opposed to somebody who's just being an asshole. Um, but, yeah, so it still is one of those stories where I... I there's a rock. <laughs> That's basically what it is. And the rock is a bad rock. And what are the grass people doing? And what? And I, I did can... like the design of the grass people. Right. I thought that that was cool. Well, that was the work of a Japanese manga designer. Oh, that's unsurprising. Uh, Shintaro Kago. And uh, he was the concept designer for the film. So, uh, yes, there's a lot of really neat-looking stuff. Visual, And the film visually is really interesting. I think that he, the director really works hard to make this very limited space like interesting dramatically or it presents really well. But again, it's an extended game of Marco Polo where there's dire consequences for losing the game, including baby eating. Over and over. Yeah. And so the, the images that and work really well for me, finding the other versions of your own body, that scene where we pull back and see... That, was, a, that, that was neat. That yes. scene worked really well. Or the fact that... You know, the scene where... When um, they jump. Right, the that jumping scene, when you suddenly realize, wait, he's... And that's when you get the first I inkling. think that there was a cool mm-hmm. seven minutes of cool footage in this. Yeah. But it's sprinkled so far and wide over this hour and 41 minutes that yeah. I was just like... I literally was when we, we hit pause at one point, because I think our roommate had to go to the bathroom or something, mm-hmm. and I saw there was 41 minutes left, and I was just like... Oh, God. Like, yeah. I was just like, 
I really feel done with this well, already, and it's nowhere to go. And the incest plot seems to be just thrown into throw. There was in, no we, just we to didn't need to do that. that we didn't, we didn't need. need to do that. You could just have a protective brother, right? You didn't need to have him be, you know, this character. I, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's layers of meaning, but it, it that they were striving for, but I'm not getting any of them because it's just watching people wander on a muddy field. And again, hats off to the director for making it as compelling as it was or trying to work in all these really interesting images. Or, But um, but yeah, it, just, it was hard to really care what happened to these people because I didn't really care about them. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh... And she's still t- stuck with her incestuous brother at the end. Which... Yeah. You know, her situation... Yeah, they got she, out. The, the old... And they didn't... They, I don't... They they have no growth. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess she just decides that she doesn't want to... Her growth, have, supposedly... Give up her baby. Yeah, is not She to wasn't going to get an abortion. Right. She was just going to give it to a family who wanted a baby. Right. That's so, fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. Well, the only character growth really is um, Travis, uh, Travis, but he dies alone in the field. Right. Or does he? He learns Maybe to be a better doesn't. person. I don't know. Will the and version of him that's not in there absorb that lesson? You know, if she wasn't missing for two months, right? Well, okay. Would he realize sooner that he wanted this relationship with this child? Like. Yeah. Because that's his motivation to want her and want to start mm-hmm. a family is that she's gone and he realizes. She, when she, now, it's possible just her leaving mm-hmm. and her being gone for two days right. would have done it, but we don't we don't yeah. know that. Um, I don't know. There may have been a line in there that was, was like, as soon as you left, I knew it was... Right. A line in there between all the screaming and baby eating and, and strangling and... Yeah, it, it was it was really unpleasant. And it didn't really move, or it didn't keep things going at such a pace to where it was compelling to watch, really. Yeah, no, agree. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't. I just, I didn't enjoy the watch. I just, yeah, by an hour in, I was just like, I don't, I, I don't want to watch this anymore. And it's still 40 minutes. You know, do you think that we did see it before and we just gave up? We... No, I, see that's the thing. I remembered the whole thing. I didn't. You yeah. and Stephanie both were like, "Oh, I think we've seen this before." I was like, "We've seen this before," but that you all didn't remember the end at all, really? and I did. And I was like, "Did y'all fall asleep? Both fall asleep?" Because I had seen it before. Right. I I, I can't remember anything past maybe the first half hour of the film. I mean, I remember Patrick Wilson's long speech about touching the rock and how he's trying to get everyone to do it, and then. That doesn't make sense either, really, because then everyone has the same ability that he has to find their way out. Or I, I, I don't know what was going on. It was one of those situations where there's something mysterious happening, and it continues to be mysterious. Yeah. There's not really an explanation for it. It's just a mysterious thing. It is funny that as soon as Patrick Wilson comes on, well, I was like, that mustache is doing you no favors. Right. I am instantly uh, afraid of you. <laughs> I do not think. Something about his earnestness. Yeah. But also, like, he's a re- he's in real estate, right? Sales. Mm, I'm yeah. just like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You're, like, trying to close me, and we have not yes. even met. And I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. And I don't, yeah, and I'm, I, it doesn't. Doesn't do it for me, but also I'm like you're Patrick Wilson. <laughs> I don't recognize any of these other motherfuckers. Right. I know that face. <laughs> that face with the mustache. That is what are they? Prom king? Is that what yeah, they call them? The prom king. Prom king. Yeah, he's been on a lot of stuff, y'all. Um, but yeah, so you know, it's it it is cool to look at, and I think. Maybe in a group, you could mock this movie pretty good. The, the, great the, the writing is not... Mm-hmm. Like, the lines are pretty silly, so... You know, but it's... I mean, but then it gets, like, real dark with the baby eating. So I'm not even, like... I don't know that a group of friends wants to watch mm-hmm. that and goof on it. Like, I don't even know. So, yeah. 
I want to read the book. I'm curious to read the novella. Uh, but I, is it going to be two shades of mother for oh, me? God. You know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So that's In the Tall Grass. It's a, it's a film on Netflix. If you have Netflix, it's free for you to watch. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Uh, just a, so, uh, quite just endorsement. A stunning endorsement. Right there. I'm just I'm sticking to the facts, ma'am. <laughs> Most recent film of the year. Uh, that's that's a good one. <laughs> so next week, as I said before, we're gonna mm-hmm. take some time off. Then we are gonna get back into the Mr. Mercedes verse. Or the Hollyverse, as I like to call it. We'll call it the Hollyverse. Uh with Mr. Mercedes episodes one and two of season three. Until then, do you have anything that you would like to recommend? Sadly, no. <gasps> oh, no. So I have, sad. I have yet to actually just invest the time in something. I, um, yeah, I, I haven't been able to actually catch up on stuff. Mm. I've seen some old stuff that I liked very much. Well, I saw um, Killer's Kiss, which is a student film by Stanley Kubrick. And it was um, done on a very low budget with a semi-professional crew. It's very short, like in the tall grass should have been. Mm. But it is very much... I do think this movie would have been better at a tight 75. Yeah. (laughs) But this film um, is really... Stanley Kubrick is stamped all over it. And it is... Yeah. It's a very kind of typical story, a washed up boxer and he falls in love with a gangster's girlfriend and but when you consider the fact that he had no he's lighting the film himself, he's writing the script himself, he his uh uh one of his actors is his soon to be wife. It's just very interesting watching this kind of genius begin to sort of uh open up. Right. Uh, so that was fun, but yes, unfortunately, I've not been able to find anything new because just haven't had the time. What about you? You've seen stuff. Um, have I seen stuff? Have. I have started something that I am enjoying so far. What is so it? I will give a tentative mm-hmm. endorsement to a thing, and okay. that is a Netflix television series called The One. It just dropped this last weekend, which in at the time of recording, this is last weekend, at the right. time of, that this is being released is two weeks ago. So I will have probably finished it by, by the time it comes out so I can maybe delete this if it's terrible. But okay, um, I'm enjoying it so far. It is... Um, I've only watched the first episode and a half. It centers around... It's a... It's a sci-fi... Um, sort of hard science fiction slash murder mystery. Mm. Uh, the one is a company, uh, it's a tech company. What they do is they do a DNA test. They found a way to, they found genetic markers that will match you to the person that you will you will fall in love with. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so that is the the, the one mm-hmm. that's the the namesake of the thing. Now then, there are like political things, like marriages are crumbling because mm-hmm. people are doing these tests. Yeah. Um, so there might be some intrigue, like political things, where they want to shut this down. And then there is a missing person found who has a tie to the company as well. And so I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that because I'm pretty sure that's the the, the crux is right. this piece of it. Um, but then there's like this woman does this test um, for her husband to find the woman that he would match with, and she's like super jealous and meets this woman, but the woman doesn't know, and mm. her husband doesn't know that she has done this, like. So there's it's it's a lot of sort of looking at the implications of these genetic tests in a framework that is different than our current genealogical 
right. uh, genetic testing. So it's kind of like, but the idea not of, terribly different right. um, than that. So um, it's it's an in, it's interesting so far. I like sci-fi like that, and almost mm-hmm. like alternate. Not well, histories, because it kind of reminds current. me of Gattaca, which was another movie right. I really enjoyed. Yes, like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, where it's like, yeah, what what are the implications of these things that are possible or, you know, when when especially when tech companies do a thing because they can, mm-hmm. and then we realize, oh, maybe we shouldn't have let that happen, yeah. but it's too late, it's already happened, and now what do we do? Yes, exactly. So so far, I'm enjoying it. Um, it is no. It's it seems like a BBC type production. It's mm. uh, takes. It's based in London. Um, takes place there. So I also enjoy my um, crime thrillers and stuff to be over there because it means that it's not here close to me. It's far away. So that's weird. But it's a little thing about me. So. Uh, so that's what I would recommend, the one on Netflix. Um, and maybe editor me will pop in with a, ooh, don't do it. Right. <laughs> well, then, no, it's really good. Every once in a while you have something that starts really strong and you want to recommend it. Then yeah. you watch episode three and it's like, oh, God, that's awful. Yeah, it's it's possible it takes a, a, a turn. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one and a half episodes in and I'm enjoying it so okay. far. So that's what How I How many episodes say. is the? It's eight. It's only eight okay. episodes. Um, so that was a long time to just suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. What do you mean? There's a long time ahead of you where it could just take that whole. Oh yeah, turn. it could take it could take a turn at any. Well, it's I mean it's it's eight forty minutes up epi- okay. forty minute episode, so it's it's not not terribly long in and of itself. And I don't know if it completes or if there may be more seasons after this because I have not mm. finished it, so I don't know if it's I'm telling yeah, the whole a really, story or only a, part of the story. A, a series on Netflix. I don't remember the name of it that had to do with time travel and going inside of a cave. It was one of the European series. And because I enjoy Marianne and I enjoy the, the other Austrian uh, story. The German movie, or but, the German show. But the issue was that I was like, I'm enjoying it, but there are seasons. Dark. Seasons of this program. And I'm like, can I commit towards, four, you know, 30 episodes of this? There are three seasons of it now. Yeah. When we started it, there was only the one season. Right. And we didn't. And just like, and I, I was watching it again and going, oh, this is really interesting. And I'm going, oh, it's not going to reach an end. And no, it's going there are 30 going episodes or something going, like right. that. Yeah, it's, so. uh, it's three, three seasons. And uh, a lot of people really, really like it. Mm. 10 out of 10, arguably the greatest sci-fi series ever made in history of online series till now. Good Lord, that's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, but it might be true. I, I really enjoyed the beginning of it, but we, mm. I didn't watch more than one episode. Um, I think it was because I was I couldn't commit to watching it. And not looking at my phone. Yeah. Well, uh, because right. it is in German. And well, I was watching I, it the dubbed not, version. It was, oh, you, were watching the dubbed you don't version. like that okay. necessarily? I don't prefer it. I grew but. up watching dubbed movies all the time. Everything from uh, Italian westerns to Japanese horror movies and stuff. I so, rely on lip yeah. reading a lot for yeah. my understanding. And also, I, now I rely on the captions a lot. Mm-hmm. And the captions, for whatever reason, when they do a sub dub crossover. Right. The captions that you get and the English that is dubbed are so far off from each other. Right. And I don't understand it. Like, they just, they use the German to do the subtitles. Mm -hmm. And then they, a totally different person translates it to do the dubbing. And they, they're like... Basically the same, but also not the same at all. It's distracting <laughs> if you have the subtitles on with the dubbing because yes. you'll start painting to how often they don't match. Yes. And um, that is why I now rely yeah. on captioning almost exclusively. It's very hard for me to watch something. I don't know if it's the trauma of the last year yeah. messing with my sort of auditory... Um, processing even further than it already was. I ha- I've always had problems 
hearing. Like I rely on yeah. lip reading and stuff, which is why dubs are hard because I'm looking at their mouths and I'm going, yeah, I understand. That's not what they said. Um, so it's just, it's a, it's a tricky thing for me. I don't mind watching a thing in another language, but I also have to be in a position to not want to be looking at my phone and all, I want to look at my phone all the time. So, <laughs> so it's a problem. So that's a, that's, that's on me though. That's not on the show. And I will get to it probably eventually, especially if it really is the greatest sci-fi uh, show someday. of all time. It just, it was really funny because it just opens, it makes you think about how different television is in other parts of the world because it opens in a really explicit love scene. Yeah. And then just sort of goes on. It's like, oh, no, no, that's not the tone of the show. That's just something that happened. It's just something that happened. And, uh, yeah, it was very strange. I was like, what am I watching? And whenever that happens, I remember when, um, when I started watching True Blood, um, which would talk about a show that did a turn in the last season where I'm like, what the hell? But um, I was always worried that people would walk in while I'm watching it and go, are you watching like porn? Porn. You it was, yeah. More explicit than I That's expected. That's how I feel about watching anything on HBO. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it can, be, it can be a tricky, tricky situation. Not just porn, German porn. Yes. All right. Is that... Have we come to the end? We've come to the end. We've found the big rock in the middle of the field. Beautiful. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch the rock. Don't fuck the monster. Don't eat the baby. We implore you. Uh, If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast in the search bar, or you can tweet at us at latecomerspod. I remind you to take your medicine. I also remind you, we will not be here next week, but we will be here the week after next. And we remind you, better, better late than never. never.